It's good to see all of you this morning. I appreciate your presence and uh, glad that you've chosen to begin your week in this uh, fashion. This morning, uh, well, there are quite a few folks gone. The youth group is on a retreat and there are several adults with them. And and so we got quite a few folks gone this morning, but uh, they should be back this afternoon. And uh, but we're glad that you're present. And I hope that we'll have some things to say this morning that will cause you to think and do a little bit of um, self uh, reflection. If you have your Bible, I would like for you to open it to um, James chapter 1 because we're going to go there in just a minute or two. And I want to ask you to read those passages along with me as we uh, look at that. But let me tell you about a couple by the name of Joe and Grace. Joe and Grace met through mutual friends. They began dating and from day one they seemed to be, you know, just the perfect match. They were so compatible. Uh, Joe thought Grace was just made just for him. Uh, She met all of his needs. She was beautiful. She was outgoing. She was attentive to everything that uh, he needed. She was caring. They were always together. For the first six months of their relationship, they were inseparable. Where you saw one, you saw the other. Because they just clicked. It just seemed to be perfect. Joe could hardly think of anybody but Grace for those six months as they began their relationship. But now, three years later, well, Joe and Grace are still together. They're still a couple, but um, it's just not the way it used to be. Uh, he still likes the comfortable and and the familiarity of being with this woman, but the spark that he once felt is gone. The desire to constantly be with her in her presence every day, that, that's gone. And while he sees her as attractive, he's not so much sold on the fact that she's as attractive as he once thought she was. And actually, he's reached a point where he's beginning to resent her wanting to spend all the time together. He wants some time alone. He wants some time where he's not tied down with her. Well, one night, Grace, after three years of this going on and dating and seeming to be growing a little bit apart, she decides we're going to have a discussion We've got to figure out where we are and define the nature of this relationship. And so when she says to him, says, listen, what, what are we doing here? What, where are we going with this? What, what's the nature of our relationship? And he blows up. He just has a fit and throws a fit. And, and he says, well, we're together, aren't we? Why, why isn't that enough? Why do you have to continue to hound me about being this and that? And, and that pretty much brings an end to their, their relationship. Obviously, Joe isn't ready for commitment while she's wanting commitment to the relationship. Well, I'm sure that probably all of us have known of couples in that relationship. We've probably tried to help couples that we have seen or help friends out of one of those kind of relationships at some point or another in our life. Maybe you yourself have been in one of those relationships where there's just never any commitment. It's an ongoing uh, relationship that just 
shy of commitment. Well, I say that and I share that story with you because I want you to know that there are many Joes walking around today. And grace, grace isn't a woman. Grace is the church. There are a lot of people that will try to have a relationship with the church or sustain a relationship with the church that they wouldn't begin to put up with in their own personal relationship with another person. While we recognize and are convinced that a relationship such as Joe and Grace had, we would never tolerate it. And we would encourage others to get out of that. And that may very well be the very thing, the precise thing that we are offering to God through our relationship to the church. A relationship where we set all the terms. A relationship where we have all of our needs met. A relationship where commitment is not a part of the relationship. But there are many expectations. It could be that we are as a people in a relationship with the church that we want the church to act on our behalf and to meet our needs at a beckon's notice. When we have something, when we have needs, when, when we have desires that need to be satisfied, we want the church to be there. But it's all one-sided. When the church calls for our help and for our need or for um, need of us, that's a different story altogether. What I'm trying to say this morning and what this lesson is about is we need to stop dating the church and fall in love with God. We need to get beyond this relationship where we have a relationship, but it's at arm's distance, and it's only a relationship that is one that benefits me. I need to get beyond that and commit to the Lord and to his church beyond maybe what we have been committed to. Most of us, again, would would see that a relationship that lacks commitment but is maybe physical, man, that, that's a train wreck waiting to happen, isn't it? I mean, we can't have this ongoing relationship without commitment because eventually down the road that, that's going to end in disaster. We need commitment in our relationships, and that is as much true in the church as it is with anything. A relationship where I keep the church at arm's distance and just call upon them when I need something from them, that will end in disaster. What father would want his daughter to date a guy that would never make a commitment? After years of dating, he never wants to make a commitment. All he wants is to have her meet his needs. When he's lonely, she's there. When he wants to go somewhere, he has somebody to go with. All those kind of things. He just wants a relationship wherein his needs are met. But as far as commitment and, and settling down and being tied to, we get to, to each other, now nah, I'm not interested in that. What father would want his daughter in a relationship like that? We wouldn't. But I think the very thing that we may be opposed to and would, would fight against and advise against might be the very relationship that we've been offering to God, that we've been saying to him, I want this, I want this, and when I have this, I need this and this, but don't, don't call on me for commitments. 
to, to meet obligations. We like attending on weekends. We like the social benefits. We like the friendships. We like the get-togethers. We like the activities. But we're just not ready to settle down and commit and say, count on me. I'll be there for you too. That's what I want us to talk about this morning. How do I move beyond being just someone who dates the church to someone who is in absolute committed love with God and Christ? I'm afraid that many of us are like um, lovers with a wandering eye. You know, we're always looking for somebody just a little bit better, somebody a little more beautiful, always on the hunt for something better. How would you feel if you were in a relationship like that? I suspect that God feels much the same way when we too approach our relationship with the church in the same way. Always looking for something better. Always ready to abandon ship when we see something a little bit better. How must God view that kind of a relationship? When one scans, I think, the religious landscape today, I think what we see is we can see a lot of people who are believers in Jesus, but not many belongers. I think we can find a lot of people in the religious landscape who are consumers, but they're not communers with Jesus Christ. Turn now to your Bible, James chapter 1. And I want us to see something that James brings up. And and, and he uses this passage as a means by which we can identify and use the Bible as a mirror. And that's what I want us to do. I want us to do a little reflection in the mirror of our soul today and to see and determine before we leave here if we have some changes that need to be made. Am I dating the church loosely or am I in a committed relationship? In James chapter 20, or chapter 1, he talks about, in verse 22, that we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And he says, if anyone's a hearer of the word, not a doer, well, he's like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Everybody, no doubt, this morning, before you came to church, you got dressed and you looked in a mirror. And if, in particular, ladies, if you were dressing this morning and you're putting your lipstick on or, or mascara or whatever it is that you're doing, and one of the kids comes up behind you, thinks it's funny to scare you, and goes, boo! And, and you run that lipstick right up your cheek or, or the mascara goes right up on your forehead... You don't look in the mirror and go, and, and just come on anyway, do you? You'd never do that. Why, when you look in the mirror, you see that and you go, oh my. After you spank the child, you'd, you'd uh, wipe all that off. You wouldn't walk away like that. Well, that's what James is saying. James is saying, look into the perfect law of liberty. Look into the Word of God and and use it as a mirror. And when you see that there is a defect, fix it. Don't walk away from the mirror and continue to do 
and live with and be content with the defects. Change it. That's what James is saying. So what I want us to do this morning is to look into the perfect law of liberty, use it as a mirror, and see what we look like. And if I find myself identified as one of these folks who is dating the church, don't walk away staying content with that. Make change. God doesn't need daters. He needs someone who's totally committed to him. And as I look at those who, that the story of Joe and Grace, when I consider that story, I don't like what I see in Joe. And I sure wouldn't want him to be dating my daughter because he's self-centered. He's only concerned about what's in it for him. And he doesn't appreciate the blessings that could be his in commitment. I'd be really leery of that man. But if that's the case, and it is, and I think we would all agree with that, what must we be and how must we appear to God if we treat him in the same fashion? When we have a relationship with him that is just all one-sided, one in which we won't commit to him, one in which all we want is what we can get. And when obligations or expectations are placed on me, I'm ready to, to, to bolt, to say enough. I'm out of here. It's getting too heavy. It's, it's getting too tied down in here, too oppressive. Let's take a look at that. Here's what I want us to do is to identify or maybe give some identifying characteristics of what it means to be a church dater. Um, I think there are three things that I think are common with, with those who don't really have a relationship with the church, but they, they date the church. And the first one is they're me-centered. Now, there's nothing wrong with desiring what's right and good for you. I want to say that up front. We, we need to pursue our own good as well. But if we only pursue our own good and we never look to the good of others, then something's out of balance there. You see, those who are church daters are me-centered. They, they go to church for programs, for activities. They go to a congregation because, well, they have a youth group and I have kids, or they have a seniors group and I'm a senior. They go to church because they can do something for me. And like I said, while part of that is good, and that's why maybe many of the people are here today are here because they had the, the thought itself is not bad. But if that's all I consider, then I think some things are out of balance. You see, when you select a church, has the thought ever occurred to you that not only should I be asking, what can this church do for me and my family? Might we be asking, and might the church be better served if I ask the question, what can I do for that church? How can my family make that church a better place? How can I contribute to the body of Christ and the kingdom of God if we became a part of that particular group of Christians meeting together? Church daters don't ever ask that question. 
it's not a question about what I can give, what I can contribute, what, what needs that I can meet, what gaps I can fill. They're more interested in what can the church do for me. Do you consider both in your walk with God or are you completely me-centered? Have you given consideration to what you can contribute to this congregation or do you seem to be thinking about just what can this church do for me? That's a sign. Another sign that I think is that church daters are usually very independent. They go to church because that's what they're supposed to do. They know the Bible says that they're supposed to fulfill this obligation I think they kind of miss the spirit of it sometimes that we we come together for mutual edification. But I I come together, I meet together, but I always stay at arm's distance. I never get in the center of things. I'm, I'm always on the fringe. If somebody asks me if I go to church, I can say yes, absolutely. I wouldn't miss it. But I'm never really, really involved. I just stay distant. And the reason for that is because you don't want to get tied down. You don't want anybody to expect anything of you. If I got too involved and I moved too close to the center, people might put responsibilities on my shoulders and then I'd be tied down and I wouldn't have the freedom to come and go as I please. Church daters don't want responsibility. They, they, they want independence. I don't want anybody counting on me to do anything. I, I want to come, but I don't want obligation. Could that be you? Do you find yourself always there when the doors open, but never really fully involved in the work? Church daters are often critical as well. How many times have you heard... Somebody say, um, well, those folks aren't very friendly. I don't, you know, that song leader either sings too slow, too low, too fast, or too high. Never sings the songs I like. Always sings the old songs or the new songs. And then there's the preacher. I, I might as well bring my pillow because he's so dull and, and so boring and just says the same things over and over again. And the criticisms can go on and on. Church daters are short on allegiance and quick on the draw to point out problems within a congregation. And just like the man who refuses to quit, you know, on his longtime girlfriend... He really is robbing himself of things that God has more in store for him if he just fully commits. Church daters are me-centered. They're independent. They're critical. But in spite of those imperfections that we see in the church and which we can often see, the church has value. And when I look at it from one perspective, from man's perspective, I can say, well, why would I want to be a part of the church? Why would I want to totally commit myself? Why would I want to just dive in and and be immersed in all this when I can just kind of stand at arm's length and kind of do my thing and, you know, have my needs met but not 
have anybody respond or responsible or be responsible for. Well, let me tell you why you need to stop dating the church. If those three things kind of sound like you, if you find yourself being more concerned about what the church can do for you than what you can do for the church, if you find yourself being very independent, you, you want to come and you're going to fulfill your obligation, but you don't want anybody relying on you for, for anything. You don't want to take on any works because that means you're dependent or people are dependent on you. If you find yourself real easily able to criticize and critique and, and point out flaws and things aren't like they used to be where I came from, those might be signs that you're dating the church as opposed to embracing and becoming fully committed to the church. So I want to give you some reasons why you ought to commit to the church, to stop dating and fall in love with God. And the first one is I want you to understand the importance of the church. You can't keep the church at arm's length when you understand what it is. In your Bibles, in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 10 through 11, the Apostle Paul describes the church and, and talks about how that this relationship <clears throat> was a mystery that in other ages had not been made known. That God would bring Jew and Gentile together in one body and we would be fellow heirs, fellow partakers of the promises, fellow citizens in His kingdom. This, this church, he goes on to say, was the eternal purpose of God. It was his eternal intent to bring all of this about to be. So when I talk about the church, I'm not talking about something that man came up with that to, to tide us over until Jesus comes again. I'm talking about the wisdom of God, his eternal wisdom in bringing this to be. How would I not want to be a part of God's eternal wisdom? and to participate in this body that was created in his mind, not the mind of man. When I understand the value and the importance of the, the church and understand that it is a manifestation of the wisdom of God, how can I say no? How can I just date and not become a part? Another thing is that I, I think it would help us to understand the relationship that God wants us to sustain to Christ. He describes the relationship that he has, that Christ has with the church, and it's a relationship of marriage. It's not a relationship where you stay at arm's distance. It's not a relationship that's all one-sided. God has a relationship. Jesus has a relationship as a groom and a bride to his church. And the very relationship of marriage that we know and practice, I'm not so sure that the church is compared to it as much as it is compared to the relationship that Christ sustains to his church. And then a third thing is that the church's plan in the scheme of redemption, it's one thing to be saved. It's another thing to be given the opportunity to participate <clears throat> in the salvation of others. God has invited us to be a part of this grand scheme of redemption. 
It's not all Him in heaven just reaching down and grabbing people. He has invited us in this church to become vessels in which the gospel of Christ is carried to those who are lost. God needs the church to fulfill His purpose and His mission to save the lost. And so... If I see these three things, it helps me to understand why I ought to be a member of the church, why I ought to be committed to the church and, and, and in love with God and not just dating the church. The church is the eternal wisdom of God. It, it's described as being in a marriage relationship with Jesus Christ. And we participate in the redemption of mankind by doing our part in sharing the message of Christ. So all these things give value to the church, but here's the kicker. How do I get over the problems that I see in the church? When you talk about committing to a church to a lot of people, man, that just brings up bad memories. That just brings up horrendous experiences. Man, I, I've, you don't know what I've been through and what I've seen in the church. And those memories keep them from fully committing. Bad stories, bad times, bad memories. Perhaps you've seen or you've been a part of a church like that. Maybe you've been a part of a church that has had its share of greed and power issues, control. Maybe you've seen a church where you've seen people that were supposed to be humble servants, anything but humble. They've been arrogant. And they use the position and the power that they had self-serving in self-serving ways. Maybe you've seen bickering. Maybe you've seen a lack of moral integrity in the church. And so when someone says to you, you need to commit to the church, all you see are those things. No wonder you wouldn't want to commit. But what I'd like to do is to invite you to look at the church not from man's point of view, but from God's point of view. You see, they're quite different. Quite different. When when I look at the church, I I see its flaws, its foibles, its sinfulness. But from God's point of view, you know how he sees the church? As a city set on a hill, shining light to those who are in darkness, offering peace to those who are once at war with each other and with God himself. If I saw the church as that, why would I not want to be a part of it? I know there are mistakes and there are problems in every congregation, but if we maintain that heavenly perspective, the, the faults, well, listen, the faults become opportunities. They don't become deterrents. What good would a preacher be if he would only preach for a perfect church? I'm not going to that church because I heard they had some people in that church that gossip. I'm not going to go preach for that church because I heard there's some people there that have money and won't let loose of it. They're greedy. Are not those imperfections opportunities to be Christ-like, to serve, to make a difference, to call people to holiness? You see, rather than letting the imperfections of the church keep you from from fully committing, those imperfections, if viewed, again, from a heavenly perspective, are opportunities for us to live out the love of Christ, to let people see that we're committed 
and, and we love in spite of our sins. And folks, listen, how can I keep an arm's distance from the church because I see their imperfections when I know myself? I have my own set of imperfections. By what right do I have to stand back and judge a body of people as sinful and imperfect when I myself am sinful and imperfect? Listen, the only person that has the right to disown the church is Jesus Christ. He's the only one that's been perfect, and he would have the right to turn his back on us if he so chose, but he hasn't and he won't. So uh, we need to get over the imperfections. You have them too. I have them too. And God hasn't given up on either of us. So let's continue to serve. As I see it today, we have a choice. We have a choice to refuse to commit to the church of Jesus Christ. We have a choice to refuse to appreciate its significance in the mind of God. We have a choice to refuse to understand that it is the eternal plan of God, an expression of his wisdom. We have a choice to refuse to participate in the scheme of redemption that is carried on through that body of people. It is a choice to refuse to take up the work of trying to help people mature and become more Christ-like and to put off those sinful things that we, we all sometimes allow to get, get a little grip in our life. We have the choice to do that, or we have the choice to stop dating and become fully committed in love with God, with Christ, with his body that is carried on through that body of people. It is a choice to refuse to take up the work of trying to help people mature and become more Christ-like and to put off those sinful things that we, we all sometimes allow to get, get a little grip in our life. We have the choice to do that, or we have the choice to stop dating and become fully committed in love with God, with Christ, carried on through that body of people. It is a choice to refuse to take up the work of trying to help people mature and become more Christ-like and to put off those sinful things that we, we all sometimes allow to get, get a little grip in our life. We have the choice to do that, or we have the choice to stop dating and become fully committed in love with God, with Christ. We have a choice to refuse to participate in the scheme of redemption that is carried on through that body of people. It is a choice to refuse to take up the work of trying to help people mature and become more Christ-like and to put off those sinful things that we, we all sometimes allow to get, get a little grip in our life. 
We have the choice to do that, or we have the choice to stop dating and become fully committed in love with God, with Christ, with choice. Gung-ho, everything's great, but time has happened and you find yourself on the fringe dating the church. Stop dating. Recommit yourself to loving God more fully. And if you need the prayers to that end, we'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.